0: Welcome to the Green Element podcast, where we meet business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable, and in the process help you on your sustainability journey. I'm your host, Will Richardson. Our homes are made from thousands of different materials, but do we really know where these materials come from and what their environmental impact is? Today, we are joined by Rachel Fowler, a sustainable interior designer who will be sharing her insights into the industry and offering sustainable interior design advice to homeowners. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to listening to your insights because we spend so much time indoors and what we choose to furnish our homes with can negatively affect our health and the health of the environment. I'd really like to ask you how you got involved in sustainable interior design, especially since you started your career as a children's intensive care nurse.
1: Yes, everybody kind of looks at me <laughs> vividly or says, wow, that's a, quite a career change. And I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. well, <laughs> I love nursing, intensive care nursing, and I went all over the world of it. Um, but I've always liked the arts and design and wanted to change careers in my younger 40s um so i just went back to university and did three years and got an honors degree and then i finished 2019 and i worked for a design house in here in hamburg and my dissertation for my degree was uh, ecopoison sustainability and luxury in the design of luxury hotels which i did a global survey and sent it out to lots of companies and that was quite surprising on my results um and this kind of like fed the seed of like well, where are we going you know even not, it's not just a homes and you can go on holiday and stay in a five-star hotel but what are you actually staying in what is surrounding you you know is it are you paying for uh, something that's really luxurious but is it actually detrimental to your health when you peel back and see what actually is in the products that they're using to create these beautiful spaces um, and i just found working for a design house i just got frustrated and in the fact that the products that we have we use and the companies we're using, and you look back to where these com- products come from, like from Vietnam, and you know subconsciously that you know I've been to Vietnam. Are these people treated fairly? Are they paid fairly? What what products are they using to make these like beautiful items of furniture? And I just thought I I, I need to do more. Um, so last year I set up my own company. And I just thought, okay, I've got to do something about this. I look, check as you do market research. There are people out there, but I've just, I've always got this thing that if I'm determined to do something, I'll always do it. And that's, that's just my philosophy in life. Um, And starting my company, obviously went into a lockdown, but that didn't deter me. I had a client in the South coast on the UK that I started working with. um, And I just thought the lack of knowledge from the client. And then you get the contractors come in and you're just like, no, you can't use these products. What are you doing? Why are people just going back? Why are they stuck in their ways? And I think also from a nursing perspective, when you've looked after people that are really sick because of consequence of something, you think, why are we still using products that are not good for human health and not good for the planet? So I decided that I'd write my book and that led me even to more of a Wow, look at all the products that are out there. You know, we don't have to keep designing with materials that we've been designing for for the last 20, 30, or 40 years. People are, companies are actually changing and making products which are, you know, have a positive life cycle, which is um, a, a thing that I like to talk about a lot when people speak to me. And it's not just a, um, a tool that us in the design trade can use, It's it's getting the word out there and saying to people, Use a life cycle tool when you're buying anything in design or even in your home for like products for cleaning. Look at the life cycle. You know, what's it made from? How are the materials? Where do they come from? How is it manufactured? What's the waste run manufacturing? Is it fair trade? Transportation of materials? Can you buy it locally? I know a lot of stuff you can't buy in some countries locally. And end of life, you know, can it be reused? Is it biodegradable? And so, yeah, so I just thought, right, I'm going to do this because I have a responsibility. I'm not nursing, but I still have a responsibility um, for the health and welfare of people that you're designing for. Um, Yeah, so that's where it kind of escalated from. And that's my ambition to basically, I don't know, perhaps you might think I'm a bit big headed, but I think I can take the design industry by storm and, you know, I'm, linking in with so many architects and that at the moment and obviously we've got COP twenty six coming up in November. But I think it's starting at the bottom and just getting everybody aware and it's in homes and offices and hotels, doesn't matter what, where you are, what you're decorating or designing, you know, we all have a responsibility to look after ourselves and that environment.
0: Yeah, and I think it's I think it's really important. But I think it's really hard um what you are trying to do because I mean, we've we've just recently done up our house, and we bought a house that hadn't been been touched since the very early 60s, 62, I think. So I went into it, considering what I do for a living, with a, yes, we're going to be the most environmentally friendly house possible. I want to have hemp insulation, I want to have this type of paint, I want to have this, and we ended up with triple glazing windows. We ended up with a lot of insulation. I did what I could, but the bit that I struggled with massively was the architect didn't have a clue. He said he was more environmental when we started talking to him, but actually when it came down to it, he didn't know about different insulations that we could be using. The builder didn't have a clue about the insulations. And that's no disrespect to um, particularly the Builder because he, why would he? He was brilliant and very, very good. Um, But it's that knowledge, isn't it? And so we were then on a timeframe of, we we were actually expecting our second baby. So therefore we had to get things done at a certain time. Otherwise we weren't gonna get into the house before we had the baby. So therefore it was a ticking clock. We also had a budget as well, which I, you know, if I was told right at the beginning, this is the budget, this is what um, hemp will cost, yes, um, over longer, except or whatever paint you use, we would have put the budget together with everything in place rather than do everything at the last minute and hope and actually never end up doing as much as you want to do. And it came down to knowledge. I didn't have the time to research, 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 and then educate the people around me and in the time frame, So we need to be educating the, the people that are advising us, don't we?
1: Um, you've hit on two big keys. I have a conversation with an architect in the UK down towards, I think it was Eastbourne. And I was basically asking them, what do they think are the stumbling blocks for sustainability? And they just said, some people don't want to be the first ones to have it, the, the cost. But I think, yes, some of the products... Building products are expensive, but if you look at the longevity of it, and also, I think when you set up on a design project, um, rather than think, oh, yeah, let's do this, let's do this, it's sitting down and doing a cost specification sheet. Okay, this is what we want to achieve. Let's uh, let's cost it out. And then once you've costed it out and you think, okay, what products do I really need to create what I want to create. I mean, because when it comes to furniture, people always say, well, how can we sustainability is expensive? How can I make it least expensive? Like, well, what are the essential things that you need to do to build the house or to create the space? And, and like furniture is great, but you can always f- use secondhand furniture until you can afford to then go and buy what you want to put in that space that's sustainable. Yeah, I just think, some, even though some of the products are expensive, I just think when it comes to creating the the property itself and the wall coverings and the floor coverings, what you use in the bathrooms, what you put in the kitchen, I mean, those are the expensive things. And then the other bits, like the furniture, if you want to put rugs and, and that, you can think of that last. And also, a lot of people think of like, oh, yeah, lighting, I'll do that at the last minute. You're just like, no, because you can actually create a sustainable house by doing a correct lighting design initially when you're developing the concept for your design and use a lot, using as much natural light in your property as, as possible. And there's lots of other different ways that you can put bring natural light in so you don't have to reduce the amount of energy that you're consuming. I mean, if you go into some properties, some contractors will put like you look at a ceiling and it's just like, wow, how many LED lights have you got in the ceiling here? That's just... It's crazy, just like thinking, this is crazy. And yeah, it's hard when it comes to contractors. I don't want to upset anybody on your podcast who listens to it, but there's always people's bottom line and budgets. And my experience is like, oh yeah, they go back to, you can do your plans, you can say, you can recommend it. And then the contractors can go to client, I can do this and get this cheaper. And it's just trying to break that concept of like, come on, you're not promoting a healthy environment for your client and um, actually like i was saying to you previously before we started the podcast i've just finished the healthy materials course by the new school university in new york and they and in the states now they're worried that if they don't design in such a way that it's healthy they can get sued and you think well this if this is thing is it's going to come out it will it will go out to the rest of the world won't it because this yeah. but you just think why are you using i don't know Sealants around the windows or whatever that are full of chemicals. There are other stuff out there, um, as as well as hemp insulation. You've got mycelium, which is mushroom insulation. There are so many amazing products out there, and I know, you know. I said I was a nurse before I start went into design. I, as a nurse, there's no way that I could afford a designer. So I thought, for God's sake, how can we get this information out there? So that everybody's got access. So it's not just those that have got the money that can afford an architect, can afford a designer, which is why I wrote the book. And Specifically in that book, I thought, I'm going to put products in there. Yes, I'm taking a gamble here because there's greenwashing, everyone knows about it. But the companies that I've worked with that are included in it, they're really good. They're also, I did all my research, there's no greenwashing as, as much as you can hope for. But it is really hard, and it is education. I belong to the um, Architects Climate Action Network group, and this comes up quite frequently about contractors and that. There are some architects out there, but it's just it's like anything. Everybody wants to do a design project. They want it. To, they want to see the results. They want to do it now. I think it's about taking a step back and thinking, how can I do this sustainably? That's actually going to promote mine and my family's health and well being, or how can I create a hotel or an office that's actually going to make my employers feel good, feel happy? Because it's not just the health, it's, it's the mental effects that a property, any property can have on people like, or employees. So if you design sustainably and healthily, you're hopefully going to reduce the stress on the, your, the people and family. So in, at the end of the day, you're looking after their physical and mental well-being. Um yeah it is tough but you know what it's just like i don't know you'd have to be like a teenage mutant ninja turtle you just have to battle your way through it i think i can do this and i can help people so yeah we can do it i think that's the attitude we can do it it's just you've just got to break down the barriers
0: yeah so why is sustainability important to embed into Endura's design
1: oh my goodness me if you um (laughs) If you look at some of the materials um, that are out there that have been used for 20, 30 years, I mean, I, I've I've I used it in a book. I've done my last chapters about infant nurseries because a lot of people, when, when you're expecting a baby, it's like, oh, we've got to get this, we've got to do this, we've got to put a carpet on the floor, we have to do this, and then you're like, let's take a step back because traditionally carpets, they were stuck using glues Start to give you glues which contain formaldehyde. There's just so much stuff in products that needs to come out. It's just shocking, you know. Babies spend, infants spend the first couple of years walk, crawling around on the floor. So it's just evaluating what is in the product on the floor. What's in the carpet? There are sustainable carpets out there. There's even sustainable underlays now that you can get out there. And but do you need to put a carpet down? Can you put a nice rug down? Um, also, furniture. What's furniture covered in? I mean, traditionally, lacquers and stuff would contain all kind of chemicals. And but now this is changing. There's a great company, I think they're German called Oro. They do lacquers, finishes, floorings, finishes, and theirs are all natural materials. There's no hidden chemicals. And it's not just the fact that your inhalation. I mean, if you touch a product that's got some kind of chemical or something in it you can touch it then if you lick your hand if you know if you're eating a piece of fruit or something you're ingesting it so i mean also another example is bedding and um this can be quite a big topic there are a few companies out there though that, are, that are actually provide bedding that don't contain chemicals in their manufacturing process but if you think and mattresses too but if you think if you're a person that sweats a lot at night in your mattress is covered in fire retardant, or your bedding is is a non ironable stuff which contains chemicals in it. To make, that's why it doesn't, be, you know, does you don't have to iron it. When you sweat, you're absorbing the chemicals that have been used in the products. It's like if you're sitting in a chair and you're quite a sweaty person. It's a hot day, you know, you're absorbing the chemicals. So it's kind of, it's quite scary what chemicals have been used. But in another matter of fact. There is more and more information becoming available with so obviously with social media is such a big thing now. Um, I totally recommend people to go and if you're on Instagram to the Healthy Materials Lab because they post stuff out there that you know is really informative. I mean, I do myself. I post five times a day uh, a week, sorry, to to try and help people make those choices. Like, really think about what's in the product. This is why look at the life cycle and some products like paint. paint. Um, if a quantity is under a certain amount, they don't have to declare it, which is crazy stupid. So hopefully, and I know if you speak to a lot of designers, they, they say that it needs the design industry for buildings and construction in homes, offices, res- um commercial properties it needs to be more regulated so that people can't you just oh we'll we'll make this and we use these chemicals that sort of can't greenwash as well
0: it's such a exhaustive subject isn't it and it's um it's really i think that's why it's possibly quite hard to understand it all isn't it because it is so big
1: yeah i think if people you could google life cycle Cradle to cradle, and there's so much information out there, but that is a key tool because it gives you the incentive to go to the manufacturer to say, "Okay, what's in the product? Then, mm.
0: what
1: what is actually what are you actually putting in um, in the product? You know, why? I mean, there's a company in Italy they make um, tiles just purely from clay and rainwater, which is amazing. There's no chemicals in there. Um, there's another company in in California who are carbon zero for making their tiles it's all made from recycled materials so i think the information's out there but it's really hard because you've got these big corporations that have been manufacturing products for so long that have, have swamped the industry and you know and for now sustainability is coming up obviously there is greenwashing but there these companies are now the companies that are doing it sustainably are coming up behind them Because magazines, and if you see, I I, like in the the world of interiors, you can see that they're changing the way that they're putting their style in their magazines. L decoration, they have a bit on sustainability, and it's becoming more and more evident. So, the education will be there. But when you've got the big corporations, um, mass manufacturers, and you've also got the big contracting companies, they're the ones that we really have that have to change their way for it to change.
0: We've had um, Brendan Rowan on, um, one of the original Cradle to Cradle consultants. He's written a few books on the subject. It's a really interesting podcast. I should point you um, in that direction. Circular economy products will be integral to a sustainable design. What products have you created or worked with that are surprisingly circular?
1: Circular design. I, uh, that's a good one. Um... Because for me, that just goes back to Crota Crota, what we've been talking about when you you know, where you know, can reuse. Um, there's a really good product that for me, there's a wallpaper company, they're based in Italy, and um, they basically created a wallpaper that is made, all made from plant-based. It goes on the wall with a special wallpaper paste, which is plant-based and when it comes off it's biodegradable so for a sense that so you're taking it out of the ground you're putting it on the wall and you can put it back into the ground for me that's the circular economy in the sense that it's not as it's not detrimental as the fact that you know it are taking it out putting it on and then with like the linear approach where you're chucking it away um and i think furniture another is You know, when you get wooden kitchens that are completely wood, the carcasses aren't made from like a prefab material. The whole kitchen is wood and I think this is becoming more evident. So basically you can take it back down at the end of that kitchen's life. You can reuse it and recycle it. Um, But when it comes to stuff like paint obviously is quite a tough one. Um, I always say don't chuck your paint away, you know, you might be able to use it somewhere else. but for a circular economy, it's just thinking, It's that's like I say, it's the manufacturers, it's really hard. But for furniture, buy solid wooden furniture and just recycle it, resell it, you know, take it to a flea market. Um, it's, yeah, lighting is another one. You, you can go buy secondhand light and obviously get it super checked by somebody. Um, that's, it can all be recycled. So from a circular economy point of view, when it comes to interior design, it's, it's like, well, we, you know, you can't manufacture it. It's basically, can we reuse it? It's just like hotel designs that a lot of the big hotel companies are, I can say, when they own more than one hotel chain, like Fairmont, and they'll own a couple, and they'll be like five star, luxurious, down to two star, three star. And one concept could be is like rather than okay, let's just get rid of this furniture. You could recycle that through all the different stars of that of the hotel chain. Mm. So you're continuously recycling the furniture, or you could donate that to a social housing people.
0: Yeah.
1: So that, that you can do a circular economy. Yeah. Um, it all depends, unfortunately, what the product that you're buying is covered in and what how it can be finished into end of life. And you look at fabrics obviously in the UK, some stuff has to be covered in fire retardant, which is really frustrating. Um that was brought in because of the in because of the US. Um and now I don't think they use fire retardant on all their products. I think it's just in commercial properties. So it's really hard to buy fabric, you know, if you're in a in a commercial setting, especially in the UK, that hasn't got to be coated in something to protect for fire regulations. But if you buy in material like Natural material like hemp, linen, cotton, which is GOT certified. If it's GOT certified, you know that it's fair trade. There's no chemicals. There's no pesticides or anything that's been used to grow it. I mean, this is great. This fabric can be reused. You can reuse it after you've used it for curtains. You can recycle it for something else. And at the end of the day, if it goes back in the ground, if it's if it's all natural products, it's not going to do any harm. Yeah. I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, it does because um, you can also use I've, I'm seeing more and more there's an Italian company and I can't remember what it's called I, I we want to do our office up using they They kind of connect their connectors okay. to pieces of wood so you can actually build furniture out of old wood yeah. it's really clever and I'm starting to see it more and more where you've got these the new bits are literally the connectors and then and then when you're redoing your office you could actually take everything apart yeah and then build a load of new stuff using the same connectors it's awesome yeah i
1: mean if you if you i mean you could take furniture apart rather than glue it go back to using screws and stuff like that because if gluing it is just uh it's glue unless you can really find a glue that's not got any chemicals in that will affect the sustainability of your product but if you screw it even for shelves don't fix it i mean no more nails not a good advert for no more nails but i mean that's just that's just got (laughs) chemicals in right so let's just go back and when i did this healthy materials course like let's just go back to how we used to build furniture and stuff Mm. using screws and stuff i mean it's so it's so hip now to have second-hand furniture why do you need to keep buying brand new
0: Yeah. For our listeners at home just now, what advice would you give them if they were redecorating their homes and trying to do so sustainably?
1: Okay. The the first thing I would say is don't rush to do it. You know, just take your time in the planning stage, define what your concept is, define what you want to use that space for, who's going to be using that space um, and, and do a good space planning. So basically just do a sketch out, a draw out, what you want in that space, because come on, how many of us have thought, you know, when I first got married, I mean, my husband bought a first house, oh yeah, let's get this, let's get this. And we had an old Victorian terrace cottage. We bought this roll top tub and then we went, we got home and then the size wouldn't fit in the bathroom, of course. That's my husband's fault because he didn't <laughs> measure it right. So um, it's just like, don't fill fully, just really do that space planning. it might sound really boring and like, oh, this is so not boring, but don't don't put so much stuff in your space just keep Mm. it like not minimal because not everybody likes minimal but think about will it flow if you've got too much if you put too much in a space a you're not going to need it you're going to end up selling it or if you can't sell it it's just going to end up going to the tip which would be detrimental um and it also, if, it flow, if your space flows, you've got good space planning, it, it will promote your mental and physical well-being. And this is not even in your home, in your office environment too. Um, the next thing is work out your style, design style that you want. And this could be used in residential or it could be used for your business. What is your branding for your business? How do you how do you want people to see you when you walk into your office or your reception mm. area? And then right, okay, I want to do it sustainably. Don't then just it's like we call it a cost specification sheet in the design industry. But then go around and research your materials, write down what you need, and research your materials. Where can I buy this? How can I buy it sustainably? Um, don't don't believe what's on the can on a lot of products. So so much greenwashing out there. If a product, the company is marketed, what I'm we're totally organic. I would be asking myself questions because. If you're going to buy sustainable materials, make sure it's third-party certified, like we discussed earlier. Cradle to cradle. Um, There's other in my book at the back. There's a glossary of all third-party certifications that you can look for. And then once you've done your, once you've allocated, okay, I know this is how much materials are going to cost me. This is what I want to create it sustainably. You might think, oh, this is my budget's not going to cover this, so. You can kind of like, well, what do I essentially need to create the space? What can I, yeah. what can I just, I don't know. Let's go to the secondhand shop and buy a, a secondhand sofa or a table or something mm. to do and and save to get the net, the furniture or whatever else you want to put in there. Another thing I would suggest is, biophilia is exploding in the design world. It has been for the last twelve months. You know, let's go. Take it back to nature, include things like pot plant. Think of the colours that you're drawing your your um including in your home. Are they how do they affect you? Colour affects everybody totally differently. I've got a friend that I used to work with a nurse. If you said to her, well, let's paint a space yellow, she'd be like, No, that's that colour means that someone's loony is a psychotic colour for me. I can't I don't like it. <laughs> so don't just go with the design trends, you know. Hopefully the design in mm. the interior design industry will start following that of the fashion industry where we won't have all these, these trends every year because why, that's what's mm. affecting the planet. So really think of the color, connect back to nature. What makes space calming for you? Utilize as much natural daylight in your space as possible. Don't leave your light when you're doing your space planning, do your lighting design at the same time. What lights do you want in there? You know, what mood do you want the space? Um, and obviously lighting, there are companies out there now that are manufacturing sustainable lighting and they're good products. Or buy if you buy secondhand lights or if you're into chandeliers or that's your kind of thing, buy a chandelier secondhand, but get it, obviously make sure that it's checked by an electrician and it's safe to hang. Um, Yeah, just be really, feel, think of what you can do. And if you can't also afford things, there are services now where you can rent furniture so you could rent furn- an item of furniture for six months. I, I'm not sure the cost of it, but whilst you're saving to get the rest of it. So, but really think down to the bricks and mortar when you're dis- initially, what, if I wanted to do sustainably, how can I do this? So I'm promoting the health and the well-being of my family, my friends, my work colleagues, my employees. There is so much information out there. I mean, I don't mind people emailing me saying, okay, I'm really stuck on this. How can I go for this? I don't mind people emailing me and asking me because, you know, I surround myself in it every day, to be honest, or what, seven days a week, just to try and keep ahead of things. But really just, yeah, really break down your design project, really look at all the materials you want to use. Yes, it's boring because you just want to get the design done, but think about how healthy you want your spaces to be, how you want to promote the well-being of the planet. <laughs> And I I don't know, perhaps it's because I was a nurse, but it's shocking what's in some of the materials. There are some paint companies out there at the moment that are really misleading, that are advertising that they are um, plant-based and sustainable and they're not. It's just, it is, yeah. And once you've done this, once you've done your research, the planning, the space planning, your product, what you want to use. It will make your design flow and it will make the project run so easily. And if you're going to get a contractor involved, say it's a contract. This is the materials I want to use. There's just no, don't don't go and put this in there. You know, just I, this is what I want. Um, and I do think that there are going to be more and more companies shooting up um, that are out there. I mean, if you are starting a design project, a good magazine is Enki Mag in the UK. They are a really good magazine, all the products they put in there, the kitchen designs, everything is sustainable.
0: Mm. I think listening to you, it's still a lot of the onus is on the person doing up the house, isn't it? Whereas if you were doing it in a less sustainable way, the onus is on the contractor. And and so therefore, uh, most people don't have time in their day. But I think one thing I've got from you, from listening to you, is if you're going to do any research at all, research into the certifications that um are recommended and then you don't need to worry about what's on the tinner paints because if it's not certified you know not to buy it
1: yeah that's yes but also on that effect is that to get these certifications they're not cheap um cradle to cradle certification it's it costs companies a lot of money so they might not be able to I think a key thing is just look at your life cycle, just really break down, try to find out what is in a product. It's just that life cycle tool. I don't know it, it, if it was, if I compare it back to my job, it would be like my basic life support thing would be look at the, it, would be the life cycle tool because the, the third party certification is great and look for products of that. But I do know there are some companies, especially a lot of new companies that are starting out that third party certification is, I mean, I've looked, I'm designer most sustainable wallpaper. That is, it is really expensive. I can't afford that certification for a couple of years until the money starts to come in on, on the, the wallpaper. So just really just, yeah, I mean, the, the healthy materials I've described it well. Okay. So when you're shopping in the supermarket for some food, you don't want the chemicals, a piece of meat, or I don't know, vegetables that are sprayed with chemicals. So why would you want to choose a, a kitchen counter worktop that's been manufactured using chemicals that when you put stuff on it, you're going to ingest those chemicals?
0: You've just brought up the your sustainable wallpaper. So how is the sustainable wallpaper different to your standard, oh,
1: so I've, to speak? I have to wallpaper. be very careful here. I could get myself in trouble, possibly. <laughs> no, I, I possibly could, because... This has been, it's a hard thing. I mean, I'm working with um, Surface Print there in Lincolnshire. I might be wrong; My geography is not very good. Brain's not very good at remembering people's addresses. But they use a renewable energy system for make, manufacturing their wallpaper. And the the wallpaper that I'm selecting, it's not like the company in Italy. Um, it's a different product. Initially, when I went to them, I said, look, my USP sustainability I can't have anything with plastic. Because this totally goes against what I stand for and also it's not promoting the well being of clients. And they said, Well, that's current, they said, I'll send him samples, let me know what he thinks. They sent me out samples. I had a look and, I'm like, Oh, I like this one. And then I arranged a, a Zoom call because we we're in lockdown. And uh, he said, Oh, the, the non woven wallpaper's got plastic in, not a much, large amount, but it contains plastic. And I'm like, I can't use that. That just. That goes against what I stand for. So he said, I said, Well, what are my options? He said, Well, currently there's not really much. Everybody uses the non-woven because it's easy to put up. You just paste the wall, you stick it on and you can wipe it. It's got plastic in, that's why. So I was just like, Oh, well, what can I do? You know? And he's like, Well, the option is only to go back to traditional wallpaper, which is just paper paper. So I'm like, okay, if I have to do this, you know, I'll put my feelers out, do a bit of research on social media. And then they're working with a German company and they're just working on a non-woven wallpaper that's plant based um, and hopefully sustainable. There's a last a couple of things that I'm just checking out of them at the moment that there's not no chemicals and stuff in them. Hopefully that will work. But if you look at a lot of the wallpaper, like vinyl wallpaper, vinyl makes my toes curl anyway, because vinyl is it's got is just chemicals. You know, so why a lot of the bar, some bathroom wallpaper is vinyl, and you're just like, well, you're, you're great. You're in your nice, relaxing shower or bathroom with vinyl wallpaper, but you're actually breathing in chemicals. It's not a place to retreat to which is going to be healthy. Um, non woven wallpaper, I'm not sure about all, but this, the company I'm working with said so some non woven wallpaper's got plastic in. I'm like, okay, that's off gassing. So, it's like, again, like I keep saying, you've just got to look what's in the product. It's like like you're going to buy, I don't know, a box of cereals and you don't want your children to be bouncing off the wall because it's got so much sugar and stuff in. So you look at the uh, cereal box to make sure there's no e-numbers and sugar in It's kind of like having to, to do that when you're looking at products.
0: Here's a question for you. Should you be using wallpaper full stop? Is, I mean, is paint, is paint better than wallpaper?
1: Well... <laughs> Wallpaper's been around for like, well, I can tell you wallpaper's been around because I actually did a um, blog article. I think the I think it's a Chinese or Japanese. I think it's a Chinese that invented wallpaper originally, and it was rice paper, um, which was would have been just totally biodegradable. I th- I think wallpaper is a good thing. Other people said, well, why design a wallpaper? Do we need it? I said, well, if it's made sustainably and it's biodegradable at the end of the life, what what harm are you doing? And the paper is FSC sourced. Um, then there's no damage on the environment. Obviously, if you're buying wallpaper like vinyl that's got chemicals, once you take it off, obviously, when you steam wallpaper off, it's vinyl, it's not going to be good for you or the environment. And that's just going to go in the ground. It's not biodegradable and it will pollute. Um, paints. Well, I mean, once you put paint on the wall, you can't really do anything with it. It's there forever. And then if you want to change it, you'll just paint over it if it's a plant-based paint obviously it's better for the environment i think it's up to individual choice personally i think wallpaper is a good thing you know as long as the materials are sustainably sourced and at the end of the life it's biodegradable it can go in the ground and it's not going to cause any problem with the you know with the environment
0: so you've written a book um which is going to be published later this year could you tell us a bit about your book and what's in it and why we should buy it.
1: Goodness me, this is on a whim. I was, I just thought I thought <laughs> I'm gonna write this book because I've you know what? Like I said to you earlier, I was a nurse, I couldn't afford an architect interior designer, but everybody has the right to live in healthy, humane, sustainable spaces, you know. And so I just thought, okay, I'll write this book. How do I write a book? I just Googled it, how do you write a book? So I used Google to I used that, I wrote some notes, but okay, I'll write this book and I have dyslexia. So, and my husband was like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, it's just like doing your dissertation, isn't it, for your degree? Well, how hard can it be kind of thing? So I, I wrote my book, I broke it into chapters, got it done, wrote it in nine months. And I'm glad I did it because it was such a great journey in the sense that working, finding companies like a paint company in Iceland. That are creating paint from rhubarb. It was just absolutely fascinating to research products and and you know, prove, like you said to some architects who will, they they don't know much about sustainability. And you're just like, well, yeah, there's just so much stuff out here, guys. The, let's just read it. And, and it was really great to create. It's in seven chapters and it covers mostly design elements, wall coverings, floor coverings. And and each section, for instance, um, in the wall coverings, there's cork wall covering and stuff. And I've actually researched companies in there, and there's images of these companies' products because I know a lot of people. They can say, "Oh yeah, this is a company, but what do their products look like? You know, how how do I know that's going to suit what I need?" That was great. That was a really great thought and I'm glad I did it. But then when they got to the publisher. She's like, we need copyright for all these, and the book's going to be sold globally, so we have to have globally copyright. And I'm like, oh man. So I think, even though I formed some really good relationship with companies, I think they're like, please don't email us again about copyright. And I'm just like, I have to do it. So yeah, it's it's a go to. <laughs> I'm not joking. They're like, yes, that's fine. And I had to send lots of sign lots of forms, NDAs, and stuff, that, and the information. But the book, I, I sat and I thought, if I was doing a research product, I had no design knowledge, I haven't, like you say, not many people have the time to sit down and do research unless you're a person that likes to spend evenings on your laptop looking at stuff. So I thought, how can I make this easy for people so it could roll roll through their, the things that they're going to need? So I did. And yeah, it works. The publisher is a bit, oh, I don't know. I said, well, look, there's a PDF read it, And she's like, oh, this is really good. It's so easy to follow. And like I said, the last chapter is on infant net and children's rooms because contacting people and I've done some blog art- written blog articles for like vegan design, um, Pativa, and they are saying we, we, we can't find any information on sustainable and vegan friendly materials for nurse infant nurseries. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll include that. It's you know it's vital that we promote health and well being of our families and children. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's for me. It was very nerve wracking. I've never written a book, but I've totally enjoyed it and built some amazing contacts with um, companies. And in the book, even though all the in the chapters I've included companies, at the back of the book there's a complete glossary of companies whose products are sustainable. They're certified, like got certified, um, everything. And it's people say, oh easy writing a book but when it comes to gaining the trust and get and obviously working together with companies that was the, the biggest thing i think um obviously they don't know me they're oh she's going to use our images she's going to do this but i didn't and when you're saying that you're doing your office at the moment if you need to soundproof it there's mogo in italy they are making um wall panels and ceilings and flooring made from mushroom mycelium, which absorbs all the unwanted noise. So it gets decreases the level of noise. Wow. And their flooring looks really Yeah, there it, there's it's just oh my goodness, Will, there are so many amazing products out there that you you don't have to do the old stuff. And I saw an else I sent my book to and they're like, Wow, I'd never thought of cork cork flooring and stuff. I'm like, Yeah, there's alternatives and you know, I've kind of, even though it's one chapter for, for wall coverings, there's loads and loads of different wall coverings that I'm included, for floor coverings for lighting. I've even gone into lighting and saying, okay, who I'm, I, you know, before I wrote my book, I was kind of guilty. I pick up a light bulb, LED light bulb, I'm like, what does the letters and the numbers mean? I just need it to look like that because that's got to go in that lamp fitting. Hmm. Um, and I explain in the book about what the numbers are the, I don't know how you can describe it, like the color, the vibrancy of the lighting, low lighting, and, and I've described that all in there. So people go, oh, okay, now I understand it. I've also put in the book, how to light a space when you're designing. This could be your workspace. This could be your home space. The light, layered lighting design, because this is how we work in the design industry. And that's how we create that right atmosphere by putting the right lighting in, setting that tone and at a, level, a layered effect. So it's not all at one level. And and yeah, it's just it, there's just so much information in there.
0: I'm gonna read your book before we um before we do our office.
1: Oh, uh, it's, yeah, let's look in there. I mean, the book is it's for li- it's for life and work because mm. I just I just thought yeah, there are products out there, and it's so important to reuse what you've got. I emphasise that, especially in the furniture section. Um, we actually, yeah. fun enough,
0: all of our furniture at home is all second hand.
1: And how much fun is that? I mean, I when I worked in... This is a sidetrack and a little bit, I do apologize. When I worked in Sydney, Australia as a nurse and the kid's ICU out there, I lived with these three fantastic girls. And our living room looked like something out like of the 1970s. We had the ultimate really floral sofa, but it was, the, <laughs> it was so iconic. Anybody that came around and visited us mentioned it like, wow, that actually looks really cool. Hmm. And yeah, you know, there's just... There's just so much you can do to promote sustainable healthy living and working spaces it's just whether you're in a city or in a town or a village the outside environment is actually probably more healthy than the inside environment Mm. because of the materials that we've been used to Um, but yeah but once you start talking to people i mean if people want more information I write a blog post every month, which goes, well, I didn't last month because I was a bit busy, the publisher was keeping me busy with a book. And on there, I put on there products and materials that you can use to create beautiful working and living places. This month I've just done, it's called Let's Get Plastered part one. And it's about Japanese lime wall covering, okay. which has been around for years and it's sustainable, biodegradable, and it's really good at reflecting lights around. So for your office, if you are, oh, I want to make, I don't want to put wallpaper, I'm not really sure about paint, what else can I use? These There's, there's products out there that you can use. It's, it, I think it's totally amazing.
0: Brilliant. And lastly, um, what lasting impact, or rather what legacy would you like to leave in your industry?
1: I'd like to be like, I, I can't say what I'd like to say because that doesn't, that sounds a bit, rude um i would like to be like the jackie chan of just like you know co- i'd just like to really put it out there really give a, a just like i don't know old oh, oh, batman where you got you know batman used to go wham bam just have that kind of effect in the design industry to like come on guys let's just do this we can do this i mean i spoke to an architect the other week and she was kind of like oh you know I don't think much is going to change after this. And I said, well, no, because it's up to us to make that change. The more of us that make that change, you know, yeah, let's just put the information out there. Let's do it. It's just, I'm not one for sitting back and saying, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, nah, don't be so ridiculous. You know, let's just get on. Let's do it. We can do it.
0: Great. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And thanks for listening to the Green Element podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, why not join our post-podcast discussion in our online community at SustainabilitySolved.org. We'll be sharing ideas and collaborating on sustainability and interior design with our members. Join now and find a space to collaborate with like-minded professionals, learn more about sustainable business and inspire others to become more environmental. We also have an important update for our listeners. We will soon be changing the name of this podcast to Sustainability Solved to better reflect the contents of our podcast. You'll be able to access all your original podcasts on your preferred platform. And if you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get every episode and don't forget to follow Green Element on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.